It's the first time since 2003 that we've seen a men's singles quarterfinal with no past Grand Slam champions. Yeah, um, hi, there's a great match going on here. I don't know if you see it happening. Shelby Rogers and Petra Kvitova are going into a third set. And it's the first time ever that the number one seed in a major tournament was defaulted. The trophy is completely up for grabs thanks to Djokovic's reckless actions. They're going into a tiebreaker. Why is no one paying attention? For the 20th time in the past 30 minutes, we will now repeat the breaking story about Novak Djokovic being defaulted for reckless behavior and unintentionally hitting a lineswoman. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Anyone who's even slightly paid attention to this year's U.S. Open is well aware of the fact by now that Pablo Carreño Busta is on to the quarterfinal by default after Novak Djokovic hit a ball out of frustration and hit a Lions woman in the throat. The entire situation is nauseating to me, and of course our major concern, and as should everyone else's, is that the Lions woman is okay, and luckily she is. So let's just give you some background on the situation, you probably already know, but Djokovic was getting pretty angry throughout this entire match. He was having a shoulder problem. He hit the ball to the the side once in frustration, and then he hit this one after Pablo Carreño Busta broke his serve. It was all kind of building up. That's why it was so obvious that the ball was, in fact, hit out of frustration, and it wasn't merely just an act to give the ball to the ball people. So the U.S. Open released a statement about this whole... Um, decision and they said quote in accordance with the Grand Slam rulebook following his actions of intentionally hitting a ball dangerously or recklessly within the court or hitting a ball with negligent disregard of the consequences the U.S. Open tournament referee defaulted Djokovic from the 2020 U.S. Open so in uh, in result he's going to lose all his ranking points and he'll be fined the prize money Um, in addition to any other fines related to the actual incident. So that was the U.S. Open rules and statement, but the actual technical penalty, as in the penalty that he was given, which is it falls under physical abuse. And this is because players shall not at any time physically abuse any official opponent, spectator, or other person within the precincts of the tournament site. So obviously this is very technical thing they did it by the rules and the we respect the decision that the usta and us open made to default him from the tournament for sure there's there's a an argument going on that um yes it was by the rules but then that means the rules need to change we're going to address that a little later for the record josephina and i think those rules are rock solid they're there for a reason um and the main points of their statement and the rules and the the things that Djokovic broke were pay attention to the words da- hitting a ball dangerously or recklessly and negligent disregard of the consequences. That is what he did, and that's point blank, completely fair rule. 
doesn't need to be changed. He deserved the penalty. So, Josephina, let's go into some reactions from the tennis world about this whole situation. I know Daniela Hantuchova, she was a former top five player from Slovakia, said, So many times he has the right intentions, it's just with the timing he's not getting it right, like the Adria Tour. There's no problem with running an exhibition tour like that, just not when the whole world stops. Same with the ATP and PTP stuff. Sure, things need to change, but not right now. And I completely agree with this statement. It is. It sounds like it's irrelevant, but to be honest, it's just the fact that all this drama has been building around Djokovic, and it finally just it bubbled over, and now we're dealing with this huge situation. Yeah, the whole thing with the Adrian Tour, the PTPA stuff, people talking about you know, the Roger and Rafa not being the tournament and him going undefeated for his next major title. It was probably all bubbling up, and... You know, this was going to happen, but that's not an excuse. And he kind of brought that upon himself with his behavior. And um, we're going to, again, we're going to mention this later, but he's had a record of behaving like this on the court. He's come close to throwing a racket by accident and hitting a lineswoman at the 2016 French Open. So this is not unexpected. If you look at his past comments, this is not unexpected. So it's not necessarily that this was a surprise that happened. And for example, Nick Kyrgios... Uh, kind of to take a jab at Djokovic and um, be kind of kind of funny. I thought this was pretty funny. He tweeted, "Swap me for Djokovic's incident. Accidentally hitting a ball kid in the throat. How many years would I be banned for?" His options were five, ten, or twenty years. People on Twitter voted fifty-one point eight percent for twenty years, and Tommy Paul, a young American player, responded to it and said, "We'd be bailing you out of jail right now," which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, and obviously Nick Kyrgios was joking, and it was a lighthearted statement. But the matter is serious because it's true. The important thing with this was that the fact that it took them so long on the court to make that decision shows that Djokovic did have leverage over the situation, being the number one seed. And the fact is that there should be no bias when it comes to guidelines because obviously if the rules are broken one time and they let it slip, any other player who does the same reckless action can use that as an excuse. And soon all players will be getting away with just hitting the ball wherever they want when, whenever they want to. Remember with Shapovalov at Davis Cup when he was 17, he had a very similar situation and that decision was instant. And let's take a look at the way that Shapovalov responded to that incident. He was just 17, barely known, and he handled it so maturely he did not attempt to negotiate. He went to his press conference, he paid for the umpire's surgery, and that shows his true colors. Novak, on the other side, didn't even go to press. Um, going to press is required. Skipping press is, you know, it's also a, a violation. And some of the things that, you know, Josephine was saying that Djokovic got to negotiate for so long. If this were any other player, would they have gotten to negotiate for this long? Because some of the things that Djokovic said, you can see it on video, are quite honestly sickening. And Joseph, like, it, it's really disappointing to see. And uh, if you want to share some of that, Josephine. Yeah, some of the lines were, you can give me a game pen- penalty, you can give me a set penalty. You have many options. She doesn't have to go to the hospital or anything. And obviously... This is just just such a bad thing to say right now because obviously he was already in a tight situation. He was just making it worse for himself at, that, at this point. And also, that's just, I don't understand how somebody can have the decency as a human to say that because she was obviously struggling with breathing for a significant amount of time. 
and it was just a whole it was a very scary experience for her it was probably traumatic and he's saying that she doesn't have to go to the hospital that's not the point yeah he also said you're going to choose a default for a situation that happened to me first time with a lineup pair like that in my career in a grand slam on center stage so he's clearly trying to rest his like argue his case and it really didn't work and just showed how much he you know kind of didn't care about this or, or cared much more about um him winning a match where this was on him he shouldn't have been behaving recklessly obviously he did not intend to hit the lineswoman everyone agrees on that it's his reckless behavior it's this pattern um and it's his lack of sportsmanship and you know it, it, it's disappointing and there's some really quite frankly pretty stupid counter arguments people have um saying that oh if they had electronic line calling there'd be no lines people there come on that's like that's yeah, totally irrelevant that's what i don't understand it's the if 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 but the fact is this happened hello we're watching it in real time this happened there was no going around it it has already happened again i'm saying because it just doesn't even make sense to make if arguments for example if it went a little to the side it wouldn't have hit her or and then he wouldn't be facing this penalty but the fact is he, he did hit her square in the throat and that is so scary for the woman like people are forgetting to this is an actual human being right here who was just traumatized completely another completely ridiculous argument is that he had a quote-unquote rough summer recovering from the re- coronavirus where this is another reckless action he completely put on himself with the adria tour not only himself other players like borna Koric, and actually i'm not sure who else but i know his wife also contracted it so this was a whole big deal and it's also something that he brought completely on himself yeah i think it was dimitrov who caught the virus too from that event but it's also quite disappointing to see online what a lot of either um, people in defense of Djokovic are saying with the lines woman saying that she was exaggerating like come on that's really that's it just indefensible for and people to say that it's not just um, online Djokovic actually clarified this in a tweet yeah it's not just online even one of the ESPN commentators Brad Gilbert he's the one who brought up the thing that it was a rough summer recovering from the coronavirus and he was also bringing up the Hawkeye argument that if they had Hawkeye this wouldn't have happened but the fact is just for somebody as respected as him in the tennis world it was just disappointing to see just to clarify Djokovic did uh tweet out um recently tonight to his fans to just say thank you for your support but we need to like the lineswoman did nothing wrong and we can't you know like no one should be um attacking her she was totally innocent that's basically what he said and, of course, he, he took to responsibility for his actions afterwards in social media posts. But, you know, nonetheless, his actions are something that he needs to be held accountable for and um, important to discuss anyways for their implications. And, you know, now people are saying that the rule needs to be changed. Absolutely not. We should always expect sportsmanship from players, especially our top players, and expect them to keep reckless behavior in check. So, I mean, I think the perfect way that pretty much sums up um 
this whole situation as a tournament referee, he says his point was that he didn't hit the, uh, his as in Djokovic, point was that he didn't hit the line umpire on in, in, intentionally. We all agree that he didn't do it on purpose, but the facts are still that he hit the line umpire and that the line umpire was clearly hurt. So he thought he was above the rules. He downplayed her injury. It's a prime example of lack of sportsmanship and lack of leadership. The tournament tournament referee had it completely on point. The fact is, there is no if or what ifs or should have would haves. It's just the fact. This is what happened, and the line on prior was hurt, and she should be the center of this whole headline because she, like I said before, she's a human being who was hurt. She had stopped breathing for a significant amount of time, and it was just just a whole the whole situation is just sickening obviously and just the reactions the ridiculous reactions coming from some people just make it even more ridiculous and nauseating yeah all right um i think you've probably all heard enough about this whole Djokovic thing so we're gonna we do have a little update about the french open which is starting soon so roland garros today released a statement confirming that they're allowing fans, limited capacity, and masks are required at all times. And the way that they're organizing the tournament is that they're sitting three different sites within the facility itself. So each site is going to include a show court and surrounding outside courts, and people can't move between the sites. Um, however, it, coronavirus cases have been quite on the rise in France uh, the past couple of weeks, leading people kind of concerned that they're allowing fans to the U.S. Open, and even Maria Sakkari today that she thinks that it doesn't make sense to have fans to her. And Ash Barty, the defending women's singles uh, Roland Garros champion, says she won't be complete, competing in the European clay season, and that means she won't be able to defend her title. So um, we'll keep you updated on that as well. Yeah, we thought the U.S. Open was dramatic. Here we go with the fans. The fans are back. Let's see what happens. <laughs> We're going to do a little segment here where we're going to do some true or false on rules at Grand Slams. Considering the recent saga with Djokovic and all that, so we're just going to play a little game in accordance to it. Yeah, so I'll go first, but before I go first, I want to just say that this year's US Open hasn't even ended yet, could easily be made into a reality TV series. Just putting that out there, if anyone wants to produce that, I'd be totally open to watching. <laughs> could not agree more i will write out the rights to that <laughs> okay so true or false players are allowed to receive treatment on court for a medical condition or symptoms that have been developing or were aggravated prior to the match i'm gonna guess true it's actually false so players aren't allowed to receive treatment for something that like an injury or something that was developing before the match they it, if it was aggravated or, or started happening while playing then they can get treated but otherwise they can't and I think that's why the, the trainers when they come on court they have to ask them a few questions or the umpire has to ask a player a few questions to make sure that everything's by the book and that they're actually um, suffering from something that's uh, started during the match okay I'm gonna go next a player hits the ball into the respected court in a decent manner after the ball was called clearly out this is considered ball abuse um, I'm gonna guess false. No, it's actually true. It's just not something that they would call out because it wasn't, like, 
significant, but it is technically ball abuse. So, the more you know. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the actual tennis, you know, the reason this tournament was put in place in the first place. Um, so let's take a quick recap of the round of 16, which ended today. We have a couple matches still going on, but let's go to the WTA. So the match that honestly was probably one of the most exciting matches of the tournament, Shelby Rogers versus Petra Kvitova, was totally overshadowed by the Djokovic incident, which is very unfortunate. But Shelby Rogers actually beat the two-time Wimbledon champion 7-6-3-6-7-6. And she saved several match points against Kvitova. And she faces Naomi Osaka next, who played absolutely amazing yesterday against Contivate. So that'll be a test for her. But Rogers does actually have a leading record against Osaka from uh, some matches they played uh, quite a few years back. But that'll be certainly interesting to see and hopefully not overshadowed by other unfortunate news. Um, our next match is Serena Williams versus Maria Sakkari. Josefina picked this as the tiebreaker, and she picked correct. Serena Williams came back from a breakdown in the third set um, after losing the second, 6-3, 6-7, to mark her 100th win on Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is incredible. Um, Jennifer Brady, Josefina and I's consistent dark horse pick for this tournament are making a deep run. Um, the UCLA grad made it through to the quarterfinals. She she faces Yulia Putinseva from Kazakhstan next. Um, I do think Jen Brady has some great chances there. And this um, result probably made me really happy, a really feel-good moment. Svetlana Parankova of Bulgaria. She's a mom. She has not played a tournament in three years. Um one against Elise Cornet in a really tight three-set match, and she faces Serena Williams next, although she does have an 0-4 record against Serena, but this is pretty amazing for moms. The The funny thing I find about Pironkova is that if you watch her manner on court, she she looks like a mom. Just how she <laughs> acts and how she behaves herself, I don't know why, but it's just she has that mom swagger. <laughs> Definitely, that mom swagger is definitely carrying through for Azarenka and Serena as well. The other two quarterfinalists are still TBD as the Azarenka-Muhova match and the Kennan-Mertens match are still ongoing and the winners of those two will play against each other. So let's talk about some ATP stuff. Wow, the ATP draw is pretty insane this year, especially considering <laughs> after what happened with the Djokovic, the but like... But- yeah, yeah, we'll just we've call it the incident because we've mentioned it so many times. Yeah. Obviously, Pablo Carreño Busta is through by default. He was winning 6-5. And then also, Alex de Menor took out Pospisil, 7-6-6-3-6-2. Looks like Pospisil had no more upsets left inside him. He did upset um, Roberto Bautista Agut, the number 8 seed, and also the Cincinnati runner-up, Raonic. Deminor will face Tiam in the next round. Medvedev, who is now the new favorite, got through to the quarterfinals. He is the person to look, look out for, especially considering he was last year's U.S. Open runner-up. And yeah, 
with Djokovic out, I'm just going to say it one more time. <laughs> just The draw is insanely <laughs> open. And the thing that I find, well, not funny, I guess kind of interesting, is that when you think about it, this is what tennis is going to look like in seven years, maybe, when the big three have to retire. Maybe even so less. Just, maybe this even less us, than seven yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, this gives us, like, a huge preview of what tennis is going to look like in the future, and it really gives the next gen a spotlight. Speaking of next gen, Shapovalov defeated David Goffin in four sets, 6-7, 6-3, 6-4, 6-3, proving he is playing better than ever because he did lose that um, first set and it was a tough loss, but then he regrouped. He went to what he called the washroom. I thought that was so Canadian of him. <laughs> and he came back and he was playing better than ever and he won that match. I know Rublev got his revenge on Berrettini, 4-6-6-3-6-3-6-3, because last year Berrettini actually won 6-1-6-4-7-6, so that was a tough three-set loss for Rublev last year, but he really came back and showed, don't mess with me or else you're going to (laughs) lose. I don't know where that was going. (laughs) Yeah, I get the Berrettini super fan was out again today, which was really funny near the parking lot outside of Armstrong. Although I guess it didn't work, but Rublev's now in an all-Russian quarterfinal against Medvedev. So the draws are super open on both sides. We've been saying this about the WTA draw for forever, but honestly, looking at the draw now, who would have thought that the ATP Grand Slam singles draw would be more open than the WTA singles draw? Because I feel like that's been the case for the WTA draw for the past couple of years. But, I mean, WTA picks, let's talk about them. Naomi Osaka looking solid, faces a tough tense against Shelby Rogers. But I, she's, I mean, Osaka's playing amazing. Jennifer Brady we talked about. Sophia Kennan has been sneaking through, although she does face a tough opponent tonight. We don't know how that's going to turn out. Um, but Serena, that comeback when it gets Maria Sakkari, someone who she lost to just a couple weeks ago, is probably going to carry through some big confidence for her. I completely agree with your WTA picks. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm really, I'm honestly rooting for Jennifer Brady. I've become a huge fan of her in the past week because she's just been <laughs> playing too. amazing. Yeah. So the my ATP picks are Shapovalov, Tiam, and Medvedev because Medvedev, honest, obviously, he is the runner-up last year, so he's definitely somebody to look out for. He might go all the way this year. And Tiam, he was the runner-up in the French Open final a couple of years ago, so he's also someone to look out for because he's been on the brink of winning a Grand Slam for so long, and it finally just might happen. And Shapovalov may seem unlikely, but he is one of the players who is playing the best in the draw right now if you're if we're looking at it because he's in the top half of the draw where he's going to be playing Busta next and then below right below him in the top draw also is Vera versus Korich. So if you're looking at those four, I think Shapovalov is the most likely one to get through. Yeah, speaking of that top half, for our uh ATP singles tiebreakers, I have picked Borna Chord versus Alexander Zverev. So Torres has been playing some amazing tennis the past week. Don't underestimate him because he leads Zverev head-to-head 3-1. to one. And um, I think because Zverev always kind of gets touted as the next Grand Slam champion and um, has had to deal with this sort of expectation for the past few years, 
I think the pressure of Djokovic being out might get to Zverev. So that's why, um, because of the past record and because of the unique circumstances of the ATP draw at the moment, I'm going to go ahead and pick George for taking the win. My pick is Denis Shapoval versus Pablo Carreño Busta, who they are actually in the same side of the Koric Zverev match. So obviously the winner of both those matches are going to be facing each other. Uh, Busta took out Shapovalov at his last big U.S. Open run in three tie breaks. But honestly, I'm looking at Shapovalov for the win here because he's just been proving time and time again in this year's U.S. Open that he really is back and better than ever, especially his mental game, which was, like we said before, his one of his only weaknesses, his inconsistency. But now, now, now that he's got that down pat, I think he's really a dangerous competitor. Moving on to the WTA singles, I talked about this a little bit just now, but Naomi Osaka versus Shelby Rogers is my pick. Rogers leads their head-to-head 3-0, but they played a long time ago and twice on clay. So Osaka has definitely gotten a much better since then, has won two Grand Slams. So based on the way that she's been playing the past two weeks at the Western and Southern and here at the U.S. Open, I definitely think Naomi Osaka is going to pull through. My pick for the WTA singles is Jennifer Brady versus Putin Seva. Like we said before, Jennifer Brady is playing the best she's ever played. And I don't know if there's some bias here, but she is my pick. (laughs) Because, like I said before, I have become a huge fan of her. But looking at Putin Seva, she has been making a significant run this year. So she is somebody who Brady is going to have a little trouble, trouble getting past. But hopefully she does. So for the ATP doubles pick, I'm choosing Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram versus Nikola Mektich and Wesley Kulhoff. So these are seeds three and eight we're looking at, Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram being seeds number three. Both had a good chance at getting at getting the trophy going into the match, but I'm honestly choosing Salisbury and Ram for the win. Because, like we said in our U.S. Open preview, they are the team to look out for. Yeah, the 2020 Aussie Open champs, I definitely think Salisbury and Rom have a good chance at taking this title as well. To the WTA doubles, a team that we have talked about a lot in the past, Melichar and Ju, the third seeds. They were so solid at the Western and Southern being the runners-up. They have gotten to the semifinals here. Um, I think that they're looking great. They face a tough test with Asia Muhammad and Taylor Townsend, who are an all-American team who've made it to the semifinals. But, I mean, Mel Charanju have really been on their game, and th- this title could really be theirs to take. Moving on to one of our favorite segments here on Hold On To Your Racket, we're doing the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz, where we... What do we do? <laughs> it's a trivia section here on our podcast where we have um, some tournament-themed trivia questions based on the tournament that we are in, and then we tally up our results, and at the end of the tournament, we name the winner the tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. So as of now in the standings, I'm up by one measly point, but we will see how today goes. Josefina, take it away with the first question. This is Serena Williams' 53rd Grand Slam quarterfinal appearance. Roger Federer is in first place with 57 appearances, but who is in second place and the top of the list on the women's side with 54? Is it A, Steffi Graf, B, 
Martina Navratilova, C, Monica Seles, or D, Chris Evert? Oh my god, I was watching ESPN today, and they pulled up this stat, and now I forget. <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess Chris Evert. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I remember correctly. Evert. Um, okay. I saw my- it on the same stat. That's where I got the question. <laughs> All right. Um, my question is moms themed. Um, so aside from Kim Kleisters and Margaret Court, which tennis superstar was the only other female player so far to win a major title as a mom? A. Justine Hennen. B. Steffi Graf. C. Yvonne Gulagong. Or D. Martina Hingis. I think it's Yvonne. You're right. Oh, wow. That was a wild guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not losing by two now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe we'll see another um, mom win the tournament this year. We have three in the draw. Um, it could happen. Thank you so much for joining us. That is game set and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the U.S. Open and more as professional tennis returns. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and will be on Google Podcasts soon. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore tennis pod on Twitter. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shravya's name is Bob. See you next time.